0: Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today is Book Club. Um, We are discussing The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave, who is one of both of our favorite authors.
1: And this is her first foray into, I guess we'll debate what is a thriller (laughs) versus a mystery, but it's a very different topic matter than um, she was also the author of 800 Grapes, which is a... Like a romance, contemporary romance type book. And um, Hello Sunshine as well. So very excited to see her branch out into something new. Yes.
0: But before we talk about the book, let's talk about ourselves. Um, Let's.
1: Let's do highs and lows. What's your high this week? My high is that the trailer for the new rom-com pod came out on Monday. Um, This season slash show is called Showmance. And I'm so excited to share it with people. I feel like Gretchen Wiener's from Mean Girls, my hair has been full of secrets, and now some of them are finally out there. So I know I teased a while ago that somebody in the series I had a poster of in my childhood bedroom. So if you want to find out who it is, you should probably go check out the trailer. Wait, when did the trailer drop? Monday.
0: Oh, you said that. Sorry. I was thinking that it because we're recording and it's Wednesday. I'm like, wait, is it already out? No, it's it's, it's not, not out not. till okay. Okay.
1: So it came out on May 24th and I'm so excited to share it and the full the first episode of the season comes out June 7th. And we're doing things a little differently this time. So basically we split up the feed so each season is now its own show. So if you were subscribed before, go search Showmance um in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and make sure you follow the new feed. So if you were subscribed to the old one the trailer will be there too and it'll show up, but um to get the new episodes make sure you're subscribed to the new Showman's feed. I'm so excited. Okay. I this it was so I don't know, every time we record one it's like it just has like a summer camp feel of like I'm so proud of us and like the people, I don't know, I'm just so excited to share it.
0: I can't wait to listen. I'm so excited. I listened to the trailer and I loved it. You sent it to me. When did you send it to me? A couple weeks ago, maybe?
1: Yeah, we've had it for like a month.
0: Yeah, it's really, really good.
1: Do you want to know a secret? Yes. I don't know if I'm supposed to share this or not, but nobody's told me not to, so I think it's fine. Um, We are in the process of trying to pitch this season to be a TV show.
0: That's so cool.
1: I don't know if it'll work out. We'll see. I I don't want to get my hopes up, but we're... We're just really excited about this season, and I mean, it's fun. It's like on the set of a cooking show. It's in London, and there are cute British boys with accents. And
0: and I really think we could use some better TV. So <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> i so, am scraping bottom on TV. So
0: oh my god, me too. I feel like out. we could have an, a whole episode on TV, which we won't subject people to. But man, it's been like it's been
1: rough. Well, I've also been um, watching way more TV recently because I've just been. I just I've been stressed and so I feel like sometimes at the end of the day I can't settle myself enough to read so I've been defaulting to TV more which is not my norm and so I've just been going through TV at quite a clip so I'm like I've, out of shows.
0: I've been doing the same thing.
1: What's your high? Um, I have a bunch.
0: So this weekend, which I will be, I will have just gotten back. I'm going to Palm Springs, so that'll be really fun. Um, And I booked a trip to New York. Um, I know I'm so excited. Yeah, my friends are having an engagement party, and I was kind of like, "This is just like a good excuse to go back to New York." Um, So I'm just going for two nights. I'm going to see you and Alex, and I hope to see my family.
1: Should we figure that Um, out?
0: We need to figure that out. Definitely. I want to go somewhere like fun. I want to like get dressed.
1: Is the Polo Bar open again? It must be right.
0: Oh my god, it's open for
1: Alex. Won't go to the Polo Bar though.
0: No, it's open for private parties only. And, oh. you know, James Nord just had his birthday dinner there and he it was all over his Instagram last night and I was so jealous. It looked amazing. Um, It made me want to have my birthday dinner there, but I want to have something here. So um, it looked really fun.
1: We'll find somewhere fun.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, so California, New York, and then... Two little things. My aunt Jean listened to our snacks episode and she sent me a snacks care package. Oh,
1: Jean, for the win.
0: I know. know. She sent me combos. She found that weird Frito-Lay Dorito munchie mix that I love so much. She found, um, oh my God, goldfish. She made me cookies. She gave me a puzzle.
1: Oh man. That was a high. Jean is the best enthusiast. She is Grace's aunt who got the shirt with both of our faces on it. Well, originally for a live show that we were supposed to have, but then got canceled due to the pandemic.
0: Yes. She's the best.
1: Gina's just here to cheer.
0: And I have one more high, which is, I don't know, I don't expect my friends to watch my Instagram stories, but did you see the mail I got yesterday?
1: Yeah. fucking got a LaCroix sponsor and, like, not, not sponsored, not sponsored, <laughs> but like a, a press package. And like, I know that you like seltzer too, but like, I just, I see myself as my true calling being a seltzer influencer and like taste testing different flavors because I have a lot of strong opinions. I mean, I guess I'm not that mad. I would be fuming if Polar sent you. Yeah, if a if Polar did, you'd lose your shit. I'd lose my mind.
0: I was, I was posting it and I almost tagged you in my stories and I was like, that would be antagonizing her.
1: But I mean, this is the dream. I'm drinking the guava one. It's lovely. I want to hear what you think of the beach plum one. I haven't tried it yet, but they have it at the bodega and I've thought about getting it.
0: So you know what it tastes like is black cherry.
1: Oh, okay. Great. It's,
0: it's really good. It tastes like, like a black cherry, but with like a little kick.
1: Okay. I'll get it next time. I've been nervous.
0: I mean if you come visit me I can put aside one of every flavor for you so you can have your own private taste test.
1: Maybe I'll start doing videos. Maybe I'll start doing <laughs> videos on my stories of taste testing seltzer so that like the seltzer you know community knows that I'm and just tag every I, I seltzer feel brand as passionately about seltzer as I truly do. Cuz maybe that Maybe you what it should
0: is. put seltzer influencer in your bio. Oh, maybe I should. I think that would help you.
1: Maybe I'll just put seltzer enthusiast. I'm not a seltzer influencer.
0: Yeah. Now I'm just an enthusiast. Not yet. You have a whole career ahead of you.
1: Oh my god, that's the dream.
0: Well, anyways, I'm a seltzer influencer. I didn't want to rub too much salt in the wounds, but it was a great day for me. For male, I did not tag you in my stories because I was like, maybe she won't see these.
1: No, I did see them. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not a good engager. I don't. Um, I'm not good at commenting on things but i i see i would say i see 80 to 90% you of your stories
0: you could also just text me next time
1: and say you bitch <laughs> i don't i must have been doing something else cuz it didn't hit yeah. that hard it's hitting harder now talking about it than it did when i saw it yeah well i'll save you
0: one of each if you want one I if do. you want to come visit me
1: i need to figure out when i'm coming
0: yeah um what about lows
1: um i don't know do i have a low Oh, I feel pretty fine. How about you? Do you low? I have
0: I have two, but neither of them are real lows. Um, the first is that it's just like hard to find your like grooming stuff in a new city. Um, and I've realized it's really hard to get a pedicure here. Like, there's a salon, and I booked it online, and I didn't realize that it booked up so fast that I was actually booking it for the following week.
1: Yeah, so I, I feel went like New York over indexes on nail salons, and even the less expensive ones are good.
0: Yeah, so, I, well, I went to um, the salon that I, like, had heard was really great. It's actually, like, a 10-minute walk from my apartment, so I was, like, great. I, like, walked in the Charleston heat, and I get there, and they're, like, oh, your appointment's actually for next Monday. I was, like, oh, crap, okay. So I <laughs> I was, like, when's your next appointment? And they're, like, oh, not for another week. Like, they th- they were already full for the whole week.
1: That's wild.
0: So then I – Called around and I I I end up going to just like a cheap place and they actually did a great job. But I called three other nail salons that were nearby, and um, they were all booked for the whole week, which I thought was crazy. And I'm just not used to that because in New York, like I would just call Primp and Polish up, like and they'd be like, "Do you want to come now?"
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, I was gonna say I've never even called in New York for a pedicure; you just show up.
0: Yeah, and it was just the situation was like pretty dire, and I'm going away this weekend so I want my feet to look respectable but I was just like wow so that was a learning curve and then the other thing was I have started exercising again and do you remember we were talking about Melissa Wood Health and we were like it's gonna be real hard to take a real workout class it is because like we our stamina was like 20 minute workout classes Yeah, no, no I know 30 maybe two 20 minute workout classes but I would always like have some water in between the two 20 minute classes so there's a yoga studio near my apartment and um, they have this great new member special. It's $68 for your unlimited classes for your first month. So I was like, amazing. I signed up. I have gone twice now. I went yesterday and today and I'm going to keep going to like get my, get my money's worth. But Becca, it's not really yoga. It's in an 85 degree room and we do burpees. Oh, that's not yoga. That's and squats and lunges and running in place and jumping jacks and that's like boot what else? camp it's boot camp yoga it's like and they call it they call it like i forget what they call it but they don't call it yoga but it was like a flow class so i was like great i get there it's like so hot it was so intense i don't know i think i'll be in amazing shape if i keep doing this but i am so out of shape i haven't I hadn't been to a fitness studio in 15 months, and then I hadn't worked out since I got to Charleston.
1: Well, I also this week was feeling not so great body-wise, and so I started doing Melissa Wood Health again. And I did Melissa Wood Health, which we can all agree is like a lighter, quicker workout, and I'm sore today from that. I can't even imagine going to like a true 60-minute workout.
0: I mean I stand by that her classes are hard and effective. Um it's just my like yeah for, uh, and this I'm actually only taking a 40, their 45 minute express version of this class. It's so hard. Oh man. Melissa's hard too. I just was kind of like, I can't exercise in my apartment right now. I go in waves, like where I'm like really into one thing and then I like drop it and then I get really into another thing. So I'm sure I'll get back on the Melissa Wood train again soon. But for now, I'm like, I just need something different.
1: Never say never, but I feel like I'm just going to keep working out at home. Not because I don't feel safe going to a workout studio now that I'm vaccinated, but I just feel like cutting out that extra time of needing to walk there wait, and then like walk back at the end saves so much time. And so like I can do a soul cycle workout in my living room. And also, like you said, I'm not doing a full 45-minute class like I would in the studio. I usually do a 30-minute, but I can like knock it out at home and then like get directly in the shower and be done working out in an hour flat versus, you know, if I were to go to the studio, I don't like to cut it too close. So, you know, I would say – get there 10 minutes early. It takes me 10 minutes to walk there, do the class, come back. You're, like, you're kind of looking at like an hour and 15 to even do it, never mind showering and like getting presentable. I know. That's why I like this class because it's 45
0: minutes and it's like two minutes from where I live. That's good. Yeah. So that's good. It's it's I'd say it's an an hour total when I like factor it all in.
1: Well, let's get into things.
0: Yeah. But before we do, let's take a quick little ad break. Um, So you guys, Penguin Random House is doing something that I think is really, really cool. And we're really excited to tell you about it. So this is something I think you guys are going to love because when I opened it up, I was like, this is amazing.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. So Grace and I have both been playing around with this new website. And it's called todaystopbooks.com. And You know, there are so many bestseller lists and reviews, but this site actually scours social platforms and websites, including Amazon, Google, and Goodreads, to zero in on the five books that people are actually reading right now.
0: You can think of this as like Netflix's top 10. I really like that they narrow it down to just five books. So it's super simple and it's to the point. Today's top books updates every 24 hours with the position of the books changing depending on how hot they are at the moment. I just pulled up the website and –
1: What's today's top book?
0: Okay. So today's top books are something called Zero Fail, which is – oh, this sounds interesting. The Rise and Fall of the Secret Service. Um, A John Green book. The new Lauren Weisberger book, which I need to get. Oh, yeah. Um, The new Alyssa Friedland book. She wrote the – she wrote – what was the book? Evie Drake Starts Over. Yep. And then The Social Graces by Renee Rosen.
1: Interesting. I love the comparison of it being like the Netflix top 10. Sometimes you just want somebody to to take the decision out for you and be like, what's popular? What are people liking? What am I probably going to like? It's so cool. And then once you've selected a book, Today's Top Books makes it easy to read an excerpt from that book and then purchase it directly from either Penguin Random House or your favorite bookseller.
0: Yeah. And they have an archive that reveals a literary time capsule that's going to show you which books were trending on any given day. I just think this is such a smart idea. And to your point, sometimes I just like want someone to tell me what I should read next.
1: Yeah, it can be so overwhelming. Um, This is really like the secret hack to finding your next read. So go to today's com slash BOP to check it out. That's today's topbooks.com slash B O P. And let us know what you think. Okay,
0: should we get into the
1: book? Yes, we should. So okay. as always, we'll do the plot summary. There are spoilers, so it's a mystery. So if you're gonna read the book, spoilers ahead.
0: Yeah. So 38-year-old Hannah Hall has been married to her dream man, Owen Michaels, for just over a year when an unknown tween girl knocks on their door and hands Hannah a note from Owen that just says, protect her. Her is Owen's 16-year-old daughter, Bailey, who Hannah has a pretty rocky relationship with. Later that evening, while Hannah is waiting to pick Bailey up from play practice, she hears a radio report that the tech company Owen works for is being investigated by the SEC and the FBI. When Bailey gets in the car, she has a duffel bag full of money that had been stuck in her locker, presumably by Owen.
1: So Hannah and Owen met in New York City where Hannah was a furniture maker, and Owen accompanied his boss, whose wife was one of Hannah's best customers, on an errand to her studio where they felt an immediate connection. So Owen had Bailey with his college sweetheart, Olivia, who had died in a tragic car accident when Bailey was a toddler.
0: The day after Owen disappears, Hannah gets a visit from a U.S. Marshal named Grady, who, to be completely honest, gave us both kind of a weird vibe. He offers to help her out, and at the end of their conversation, he tells Hannah that Owen is not who she thinks he is. Later that afternoon, when the FBI shows up and she mentions speaking to the Marshal that morning, they're highly confused and they get defensive. So in a moment of panic, she bluffs that she has retained a lawyer. And when the agents ask who, she blurs out the name of the only lawyer she can think of, who is her ex-fiance, Jake.
1: So Hannah looks up the Marshall's area code and realizes that he's from Austin, which is strange because they're in Sausalito in Northern California. And after remembering Owen's jumpiness on a few occasions when Austin came up in conversation, Hannah starts to press Bailey to see if she remembers ever going to Austin with her dad. And when she dredges up a half-formed childhood memory, Hannah books them a flight to Austin to see if they can dredge up any more memories for Bailey. And then after a
0: day of dead ends in Austin, Jake calls Hannah to let her know that there's no record of Owen before he moved to Sausalito, not of his birth in his hometown or his attendance at Princeton, nor of buying a house in Seattle where he had lived before. The next day, Hannah recalls the name of a math professor Owen spoke of and tracks him down at UT Austin. Through him, they get a class list of what supposedly has the real Owen listed. And then in the library, they cross-check the records with yearbooks and, and accidentally stumble on a photo of a woman who has an uncanny resemblance to Bailey, but isn't the woman she knows as her mother.
1: So the photo leads them to a bar, which was also pictured in the photo. And when Hannah sees another photo of the same woman displayed behind the bar, she tries to dig with the bartender. And she ends up hitting a nerve when she shows him a photo of Owen. And the guy gets in her face asking who sent her. And just as things are escalating, Bailey busts in to break things up. But the man recognizes her and calls her Kristen. And so Hannah and Bailey flee the scene and head back to the hotel to get ready to leave town. While Hannah is in the bathroom, she remembers a name she saw on a newspaper
0: clipping behind the bar and Googles it on a hunch, uncovering the story of the real Owen. Owen's actual name was Ethan Young. He married his college sweetheart and had a daughter with her. His wife's father was the lawyer for a drug syndicate, and she was killed in a revenge murder framed to look like an accident. Ethan testified in the case against his father-in-law, putting him in prison, and then left town never to be heard from again. Just as she discovers this, Hannah leaves the bathroom to discover that Bailey is missing.
1: So first, Hannah goes to the U.S. Marshals, but then she decides that she doesn't trust them and escapes from them and goes back to the bar and demands a meeting with Ethan's father-in-law, who's the crooked lawyer. And she goes to him and she makes a deal with him for Bailey's protection. And the deal means that she will never get to see Ethan slash Owen again. And then in the epilogue, years later, Hannah's at a design show waiting on Bailey, who is bringing her new boyfriend to meet her. Owen comes in looking nothing like himself. He's like in a disguise. And they have like a very poignant moment. They like share an intense look before he disappears. We also see Hannah and Bailey have bonded when she introduces the new boyfriend to Hannah and calls her mom. So that is our book. That is our book. What were your thoughts? You you read it in a day. I read it in one sitting. Like not even a day. I read it in like four hours. Yeah. So
0: it was funny because Becca, Becca was bouncing around ideas for our book club. And she's like, oh, do you have the new Laura Dave book? And I had just moved. And I still would be in this case because my book pile is out of control. And I was like, I didn't get that, damn it. And then I was like looking through my book pile for something to read. And of course, it's sitting in the pile. And I was like, oh, I do have that book. So I pulled it out, started reading it. And like couldn't put it down. So sometimes I go up to my roof like at the end of the day and I'll just like sit and read for an hour just like to have a break, to get some sunshine, like vitamin D is good for the soul after like living in my dark old apartment. It's like so nice to just get a little sunlight in the middle of the day. Um, And I ended up just ignoring all of my work, um, not replying to your text messages, not doing anything besides reading this book. Um, I really enjoyed it. There's things I kind of questioned. Like I felt like I maybe wouldn't have made the same decisions as she would have. Like I probably would have figured out a way to be with Owen um, versus the family. But I see why she did that.
1: Um, I don't think she made great decisions. But I can honestly say that if I was in her position, like I don't know that I would have made better decisions necessarily. Like it was a intense – position to be in so like yeah like yeah I completely agree like I feel like she wasn't
0: she it was hard she was in a hard place
1: yeah I really enjoyed this book so I left it till like completely the last minute and I was gonna read it over the weekend I didn't and so then uh we're recording on Wednesday and I was like oh shit I was like I have to read it between you know Monday and Tuesday night and I was kind of expecting it to be like a Not a chore, but I was like – you know, it was like stressful reading. It wasn't like enjoyable reading. So I sat down on Monday night and I was like, okay, I got to get through the books like 300 pages. And I was like, okay, got to get through half of it um, and then I'll read the other half tomorrow. Finished it in one sitting. Didn't – just like sat down, read the full book because I was like – it was very propulsive like the – okay, so here's what I'll say. I think that the clues or how everything came together was very convenient it was very convenient. Like, it was like, oh, um, and it was kind of out of nowhere, too. Like, some of them weren't really, like, seated through where it was like, oh, we're, like, at a dead end. Oh, I just remembered the name of this math professor. Let's go see him. It's like, oh, Bailey recognizes this bar in this photo. And it's like, that's weird. You know, like, all of it was, like, pretty convenient in terms of the uncovering the clues, but like the turns, like there were like, there were like reveals when something would happen. I would be like, oh my God, I need to know more. Like when it was like, she's like, I have retained a lawyer. And then she calls her ex-fiance. I was like, oh, I need to know. And then like, when you find out who Owen slash Ethan was, I was like, ah, like, so I just like, it was very propulsive. Like it was very page turnery.
0: I couldn't, like, I just like couldn't stop reading and I needed to know what happened. And I feel like In a weird way, it reminded me a little bit of um, what was the book we read by Andrea Dunlop. Um, We we did it as a book. Yeah, in that I just kept turning it and turning it, and I just needed to know what what was going to happen. I wasn't worried about any of the characters' safety, but I was like really, really engaged.
1: Okay, so that kind of brings me into the next point that we need to discuss. So the debate that we've been having in our outro of the episodes where we describe the book is, is this book a thriller or not? And so I need you to explain to me your rules. What is the difference between a thriller and a mystery?
0: Okay. I'm not saying this is right. I'm saying this is how No, just your I think.
1: personal definition. And I'll tell you mine.
0: Okay. So my personal definition is, first of all, a mystery is like a little bit more classy than a thriller. Um, Like it's, It's just, like, usually a little bit more highbrow. Um, A thriller, like, someone's probably getting killed or, like, divorced or cheated on. Um, This was, like – it was very respectable and, like, nothing really bad happened. It was just, like, a mystery of, like, where did he go? What happened? Um, Does that make sense? Like –
1: Yes, it does. Your personal definition is different than my personal definition – Okay. So I think that for me, a thriller is when the main character is inside the events and the action. So I would classify this probably as like a psychological thriller. Like at no point was Hannah in danger of like somebody murdering her. Like I was never like, Hannah's going to die. But like it was about her life and it was like very much like we need to find out what happens next. I kind of think of a mystery as, like, the the protagonist is outside of the events. So, like, a mystery would be, like, when you're – the main character is, like, the detective. And so he's, like, uncovering clues but, like, doesn't have a personal connection to it necessarily. So they're, like – you know, there's, like, a trail of evidence and, like, they're investigating – but like, I think
0: you're right. I think that's really that's dead on. I think you're completely right. And I'm wrong. I don't but, know if um, you're right
1: or wrong. I've I've literally just made this up as my own definition. But like, yeah, I feel like a mystery to me would indicate that like and, you know, sometimes I cross over because like sometimes the detective finds out that there's a personal connect. They have a personal connection and like get sucked into the events. But like in my head, like a mystery is a little bit lower stakes where it's like, yeah, you want to solve it, but like your life isn't in flames. Yeah, I think
0: you're absolutely right. But for me, I think maybe
1: I'm blurring the lines here
0: because it wasn't scary, this one. Yeah,
1: and I like a non-scary thriller. Like um, what was that one that we read? It wasn't a book club pick, but we both read it. Um, You Are Not Alone by Greer oh. Hendrix. Yeah. Like again, it's like – and this is my favorite kind because I don't like anything too murdery where, like, the main character is in danger. Like, Verity – I loved Verity, to be clear. Oh, my God. I but, love like, Verity. But, like, Verity made me very jumpy. And, like, I don't remember what the circumstances were that I read that. But, like, that's the kind of book that, like, wouldn't allow me to sleep. Versus I like a lower stake psychological thriller where it's still, like, it still has the – um propulsiveness, but, like, I'm not worried that somebody is going to come into my apartment in the middle of the night and kill me.
0: Yeah. Verity, I, like, got drunk after. Like, I couldn't be alone.
1: Yeah. Like, that was so – it was, like, so messed up. Like, it was, like – Yeah. 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 Wait.
0: So let's continue on with our discussion. Sure. Um. So in the middle of the book, I'm very curious to get your thoughts here. Did you think that Owen was bad or good –
1: Oh, I for sure thought that Owen was a bad guy. I thought that Owen had killed somebody in his past and was, like, evading it. Like, I thought Owen was a very bad guy. I did, too. Because his company is being investigated for insider trading. It, like, very much looks like he's a part of it. So, yes, I thought he was very guilty of that part of it. And then I thought that, like, it was just another in a string of bad things that he'd done in his life. And he was lying because he had bodies buried in his past. I
0: and, thought so too.
1: And I kind of liked I kind of liked that Owen was n- neutral, like he wasn't good or bad because when it's revealed it kind of seems like he did some bad things in his past. We never find out what they were. Um, so he's not like 100% good where it's like, oh, poor Owen, but it doesn't sound like he's like as bad as I certainly thought he was halfway through the book. Yeah. What was your theory? What did you think?
0: I wasn't sure. I was like along for the ride, but I was certain he was bad. And I thought that he was like did something really bad at his company. And um, I was I just wasn't sure what.
1: I was also operating on a theory that him and Grady were either brothers or best friends.
0: Yes, I thought him and Grady definitely had ties. I was certain. I thought he was a best friend.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too.
0: Yeah, I thought Grady was bad too.
1: Okay. So the whole book is kind of like pinned on – or I guess part three of this book. So they're in this situation basically like Hannah's – father-in-law, Bailey's grandfather is a bad guy. He's like the lawyer for a crime syndicate. And um all of these people are mad at Owen because Owen turned them in and led Nicholas to go to jail. And so like Owen is like people are out for Owen or Ethan, whatever we're calling him. Um and so basically like the choice comes down to Hannah and Bailey can either go to Nicholas or go into witness protection. Like I don't know, how did you feel about that choice? Well, I kind of was like, "Well,
0: aren't there other options?" Like I felt like it was like pretty aggressive. I I don't know. I probably I probably would have chosen to go into witness protection and be with my husband.
1: Oh my god, totally. And also there was A whole plot point about the money that he had left with Bailey was clean money um, that he had saved up over time. So, like, they would be able to take it with them into witness protection. So they would be starting with a nest egg where it's never clear how much money there was. But, you know, Bailey had started counting and stopped counting at 600000 So, you know, like, there's a good amount of money to start a new life somewhere. Also,
0: sidebar, how does $600,000 fit in one duffel bag?
1: I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things I was thinking about. Maybe it's one of those things where like if it's all in hundreds, like when you see it, it's actually like a smaller volume than you would think.
0: Yeah, I guess that $600,000 just sounds like so much cash to me.
1: Well, like I think she described it as like 60. um, You know what a stack of bills looks like that you would see in like a movie or something? Like 60 of those would totally fit in a duffel bag. Yeah, you're right. It's not that big. You're right. It's it, it, It's just assuming it was hundreds, which I think they might have said it was. Yeah. My other sidebar that we need to talk about is like, doesn't witness protection have such a 90s vibe to it? <laughs> yes, it does. I feel like witness protection is something that came up a lot in like TV shows in the 90s. And I don't know, it, it just felt very culturally relevant in the 90s, where I feel like I grew up thinking that it was much more a part of adult life. That it is which is in my life so far not at all it's like the same thing with um when I was a kid like I thought that um quicksand was like kind of an inevitability like quicksand was just an everything and I was like oh man I gotta be prepared for when I am an adult I like run into some quicksand
0: that is so funny my thing from the 90s was did you watch 90210 growing up yeah do you remember when Dylan McKay's girlfriend Tony Marchette died? It was like a revenge murder.
1: Oh no, I don't remember that.
0: Um, she, she was shot, and he was in the car with her. And I kept thinking of Dylan and Tony, like, like, and and what happened to her throughout the throughout this. I don't know why, like, I'm even sharing this, but um, it, it made me think of that of that part of Naio 2 and O. I remember, I think that that episode of Naio 2 and O like really stood out to me because I was really young when I watched it. Like I probably shouldn't have been watching it. And I just remember like, it was like r- a really big thing to me that she was murdered. Like I don't think I would seen many shows where someone got murdered.
1: But yeah, I agree with you that I feel like witness protection was the more obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Where like she could still protect Bailey and she could still be with... Owen, and it seems like she was very worried about a leak, that they would find them anyway, and that Bailey would get caught in the crosshairs, which I guess is possible. Like, these people are bad people. They're very well connected and, like, operating outside the law. So, like, you know, maybe they would hack something, bribe somebody, like, they would find him. But, you know, it's kind of like the, um, the preceding proceeding Let's see, Bailey was 16 and they moved to Sausalito when she was three. So the previous 13 years, like, he hadn't been caught living a secret life and he wasn't being very stealthy. Like, it wasn't like he was a recluse and, like, wasn't going out in public. Like, he was in San Francisco and he was, like, able to reasonably lead a hidden life. So I'm like, why wouldn't you be able to do that somewhere else? Like, and especially if you went, like, somewhere international. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So that was, like, that was the one decision where I was like, oh. Yeah, I was like, am I like
0: really soft? Because I would like go into witness protection to be with my It sounded my like husband.
1: eventually the, the choice was that she didn't want to take it away from Bailey, that Bailey wouldn't be able to do plays and she would have to change her name. And like she'd already had so much happen in her life that she wouldn't be able to continue being herself. But then it's like, okay, but then another constant of her life that she values is her dad. So then she like also doesn't get to – have her dad? Yeah, like I don't. Know. I don't know if if I was a teenager, I would have picked my dad over all of those things easily. But it was so dramatic when she was like going to Nicholas. W- okay, what did you think was going to happen? Honestly,
0: I wasn't sure. I was. I was like, "Is this going to get violent?" Like, I think whenever I'm reading these types of books, I'm like, "When's the violent part going to happen?"
1: Oh, totally. I I totally thought that she was going to kill him somehow, like, take yeah. like vigilante justice, take it into her own hands. I mean, I guess once you got there, it, it became pretty clear pretty fast that that wasn't going to happen because he had, like, bodyguards and dogs and, like, it, like she wouldn't have had the opportunity. But, like, I kind of pictured her, like, going over there with a gun and, like, being, like, not a problem anymore.
0: Yeah. I know. I did, too.
1: But she was like, I have a plan. And I was like, what's the plan? What's the plan? Yeah. The plan was very civilized. The plan was very civilized.
0: This was a civilized mystery. That's why I think it wasn't a
1: thriller. It was civilized. Yes, it was. It was like too classy to be a thriller. Okay. We have more to talk about, but let's take another quick ad break.
0: Yes. So today's episode is also sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers professional therapy online via chat, video, or phone, so you can talk to a licensed counselor from the comfort of your couch or your desk, wherever you want to do it.
1: So it's been a year it's been a fifteen months at this point, just with the pandemic and a lot of changes and I don't know the past twelve months has felt like five years between lockdown and the election, and just I don't know, I feel like a lot of people in my life have experienced a lot of change during this period um it's just a lot, and you know for me, mental health is very top of mind right now, and maybe it is for you too and Maybe one thing on your list for this year is to try therapy, but it can be super overwhelming to figure out how to dive in. Like, where do you find a therapist? Like, how do you know what they specialize in? And then like after you go through all that effort, what happens if it's not a match? So, I love BetterHelp because they're solving all these problems and saving you wasted time cruising through your insurance directory. So, BetterHelp offers private, affordable online counseling when you need it without having to leave your house.
0: Yes, and they make it really, really easy to find your counselor. So how it works is that you'll go online and you'll fill out a simple questionnaire that's going to assess your needs. They're going to ask you about all sorts of things, like your age, your relationship status, your past experiences with therapy, and what you're looking to address. And then from there, they will match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They have counselors who are specialized in everything from depression, stress, and anxiety to relationships Family conflicts, tr- trauma, LGBT matters, grief, and even self esteem issues.
1: And it's really quick. So you can start talking to your therapist in under 24 hours and you can message them, which is really nice. So you can like text them basically and you can get a timely, thoughtful response. But they also have, you know, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions too. And best of all, it's more affordable than traditional online counseling and they do have financial aid available. So there's been some great threads in our Facebook group where people have been talking about their experiences, trying out better help. And one of the things that I um, thought was actually like a backdoor positive was that a lot of people said that they tried it and they ended up switching therapists, which is super normal. Like it's like dating. Like, do you get it right on the first try? Some people do, but like not always. And a lot of people said that they... Loved how easy it was to switch counselors if the first one wasn't a good fit. And it's free too. And I was just so happy to see that so many people were saying that they were having a really positive experience with this service.
0: Yeah. I think it's so great that they're just so committed to facilitating fantastic matches and they make it so easy and free to change counselors if that's what you need to do. And anything you share is always confidential. So we want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com/slash bad on paper. Join over one million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp h-e-l p.com bad on paper.
1: Back to the episode. Okay, so we talked a little bit about Hannah's choices, but I'm curious, how did you feel about Owen's past choices to take his daughter away to protect her and to like change their identities? I mean, did he really have a choice? No, I don't think he had a choice. I was just going to say that I thought he did kind of a crappy job of it.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. But I don't think that there's really any other outcome. Yeah, no,
1: I get why he did what he did. But like, it felt like he was living pretty publicly for somebody trying to hide his daughter from himself and his daughter from like an international crime syndicate
0: yeah, like he's going to New York. He's doing this. He's like his company is like in the public eye. And I get that when the company like really got in the news, he had to leave. But I was kind of like, this doesn't feel like someone who's like gone off the grid.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I don't know. What about the the um the ending for each character?
1: Well, okay. So I liked the ending for Hannah and Bailey's relationship. I thought that that was very, very sweet. And I liked how that was kind of developed through the book where it started that Bailey really hated Hannah and um, they kind of, you know, they had to work together through this and they really like formed to each other. And then by the end in the epilogue, the flash forward, you see that, you know, Hannah and Bailey are now close and, and Hannah calls her mom, which is like – or Bailey calls her mom, which is a, um, you know, like really significant thing. So I love that. The, warmed my heart. I love the ending for their relationship. I, I was disappointed in the ending for Owen and Hannah because, you know, it turned out that he wasn't a bad guy. Obviously, when I thought he was a bad guy, I was like, get out. You get out, Hannah. But like, them not ending together. And like, when he came back into the gallery, and it was like just clear that he'd been living this like rough life, hiding himself. I like. I felt bad. Um. I. Okay. So the part that I don't know. I I'm not a parent, so you know maybe this is kind of a, a difference of just like mental state, but um. Hannah says at the end of the book, she says, if she knew it would end this way, she would still pick it. And that felt so off base to me. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I've never had a relationship with a child like this where, you know, she was her stepmother. You know, she grew so attached to her that it was like all worth it in the end. But I'm like, I get doing what you have to do in the situation and like, protecting her for your husband but like when she was like she would still pick this if she knew at the beginning how it would end up i was like really you would like pick to end up alone without your husband like miserable i don't know
0: i i can't agree more and i think it's You and I probably have a hard time relating to this as we're childless. Um, I can't imagine being married to someone
1: for over only a year. Yes, exactly,
0: only a year.
1: And also the fact that the daughter didn't like her that much. I mean, I'm a selfish person, so you know I'm being a dick here. But like, not that I would throw, not that I would want her to die or throw her to the wind. But it's like I would feel kind of spiteful if I was sacrificing my life for this like ungrateful daughter. Yeah, it's an ungrateful teenager
0: who, like, you haven't known for that long. And, like, yes, I get it. She loved Owen, so she wants to do what he wants. But, like, I don't know. Like, maybe this makes me sound really bad, but – if someone did that to me, I don't know what what, what I would do.
1: I don't think I'd want to just like raise their child for the rest of my life. It's not to say that I wouldn't do it if I was in, if I were in those circumstances, but I certainly couldn't say that if I knew in advance that I would still pick it, you know? Like, yes. Like, I think if I was psychic, I don't know what the circumstances would need to be like I'm psychic and I could see how this relationship would end and it would be me alone without the guy that I loved caring for his ungrateful daughter. Like, would I pick that? Like, probably not. But like Hannah yeah, hey, was no. pretty happy being single. Yeah, she
0: had a nice life. So
1: I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I felt I was just like, maybe I'm just not maternal when I
1: when when I listened to all of that. And I don't know. I think it's probably something that like you can't fathom until you until i have until you too. have that relationship, yeah, so I think yeah. it speaks more to us being um, just like on the other side of that than yeah. anything else, yeah, I agree. I thought one thing I thought was really interesting about this book was like Hannah's position as like being quote unquote the wife and i think i really picked up on this of like basically like her she thinks her husband is involved in insider trading she didn't know anything about it like the husband's best friend is is mad at her because they lost all their life savings by investing in this company it turns out that that wasn't true there was like something different but um just like being the wife and being out of the loop and not knowing about your husband's stuff. And I, I, it was really top of mind for me because I just read Silver Girl by Ellen Hildebrand, which is like, I don't know, it's like a five or six year old book. Um, but it's about, it's a, uh, loosely based off of Ruth Madoff, Bernie Madoff's wife. And so like a lot of the plot line is also that like her husband was a bad man and she didn't know what was going on. And I don't know. I just thought it was so interesting. And you know what it brought up for me? I was just remembering when we interviewed Sally Krawcheck, who, oh my God, is like one of my heroes. Um, she's the CEO of Elvest Vest, if you haven't listened to that episode. Um, but she was saying when – Men manage money in a relationship like more often than not. You get like when women, you, you like end up with a negative surprise.
0: Yeah. I think what she said is most times women outlive their partner and, um, usually and because the men manage the money, women are often left being like negatively surprised.
1: Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I thought that was so interesting like thinking about the relationship dynamics of you know hannah but also you know more broadly women who are not privy to their husband's shady shit i don't know what i have to say about this i just like i was just connecting the dots and i just thought it was it was all kind of like in the same circle of the venn diagram and i was like oh this is interesting yeah, you're totally right. And I mean, it seems like Hannah was pretty successful on her own.
0: But And she um, had a
1: separate checking account. Like she was going to be fine. It wasn't like Owen Owen's choices drastically changed her life, but I don't know. I thought it was an interesting theme. Yeah, absolutely. I Do I need to read Silver girl? I liked it. Um I think you would like it. I mean, all of Did you see the New York Times article from this week about like the top Ellen Hildebrand books? Like I just I, did I love an Ellen Hildebrand book. Like if you're at the beach this summer, like I just think they're all good. I just loved everything about
0: Bernie Madoff and especially Ruth Madoff. Like I watched all of the movies and documentaries that were based. on Oh, I on think it. you would
1: like it then. I think you would find it fascinating. I don't. I didn't. I was not as as into this story, so I don't know enough about the real Ruth Madoff to to tell you how closely it's modeled off of their relationship. But yeah. I thought it was like a very compelling storyline that it was very unique. It was very different than anything I'd ever read. Okay. Speaking of different than I've ever read, this is so different than Laura Dave's other books. And Oh, my gosh. So okay, different. Can I just say – so I read – my first Laura Dave book was 800 Grapes, which is about a woman who um, falls in love with this guy whose family owns a vineyard in – Napa or Sonoma, somewhere in Northern California. And um, that was my favorite book. And there have been very few times in my reading life that I've done this, but I liked that book so much that I then bought and went back and read every single one of her past books.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm a big Laura Day fan. And then I also really liked Hello Sunshine.
0: Um, I loved Hello Sunshine. Which was
1: about a um, like food blogger, food YouTuber um, who – isn't who she says she is, kind mm-hmm. of, um, but, like, less thrillery. But, like, I love Laura Dave, And I, I actually loved that this was so different than her normal fodder. I and agree. This isn't it my wheelhouse. Fun. This, this is to your wheelhouse. I know. But
0: can I tell you, I think that of all her books, 800 Grapes is still my favorite.
1: I would agree with that. I really liked 800 Grapes. I think that's my favorite, too. But it reminds me of this quote in um, – Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which I'm totally gonna butcher. But do you remember when she talks about um Harper Lee and how Harper Lee was so paralyzed by the success of To Kill a Mockingbird that she never yes. released another book, or I guess she did, but it was very late in her life. Yes. Um, and she was like, I just wish that Harper Lee like wrote a police procedural, wrote like a science fiction book, like just like churned a bunch of stuff out in different genres. And this kind of reminded me of that. Like it's just such a departure. And I thought it was cool that she Branched into something that was so different for her,
0: yeah, I agree. I just I totally agree.
1: I liked seeing her in a new genre, like in terms of what do I want next, I want another eight hundred grapes because I enjoyed that book so much, but i i I would like, take anything, yeah, me too. I would take anything, yeah, I thought it was cool that she stepped outside her, her normal lean, me too, yeah, should we get into some end matter, yeah. Do you have an Instagram obsession? I do. So Grace and I are thinking about planning a vacation, and our criteria is somewhere bougie by the beach. Bougie being
0: the keyword. I was t- texting Becca. I was like, I just want to drink like a twenty dollars cocktail on the at the pool that someone brings me.
1: Yeah, we want to go warm weather beach vacation. Don't do anything. I don't really care about like attractions. I don't even care about like where it is. I like I don't really want to leave the hotel that much. So like if there's a broader city or whatever, I don't really care. I mm-hmm. just wanna have a relaxing vacation. And so Grace went to the surf club in Miami, which is a four seasons property, um, last last year? Two years ago? Two years ago. I feel like we lost a year of our life, two, but it was two years ago. It was the last vacation I took, and she loved it. And so she's pushing there, and I was like, I don't know. And um, I followed them on Instagram, and I'm I'm pretty sold. It's FS yeah. Ocean Club is their Instagram. That's not where I stayed, though. Are you sure?
0: Yeah, it's F- um, FS Surf Club
1: on Instagram. I'm pretty sure it's FS Ocean Club is the Instagram.
0: Mm-mm. Ocean Club is in Bahamas.
1: So am I following the wrong hotel? I think so. Have I sold I- myself into a vacation at a different? <laughs> that is so funny.
0: I will go to, I will absolutely go there with you to the Ocean
1: Club. <laughs> I've sold myself into a vacation at the place we weren't talking about.
0: The place that I went is, I think it's FS Surf Club, but hang on. Because um, I looked it up
1: and that's not a thing
0: or it might be Fs Surfside?
1: Is it? You got to tell me. I don't trust myself anymore.
0: It's actually FS Surfside. That is so funny. FS Ocean Clubs in in the Bahamas. And I would go there with you too.
1: Okay, so I guess that was a long-winded way of telling you I don't know where we're going on vacation, but but the Bahamas looks nice.
0: <laughs> I would go there there too. So
1: Oh man, I'm an idiot.
0: That is so funny. What about I saw you? that and I thought I was like, oh, maybe she doesn't want to go to surf club. Maybe she wants to go to ocean club and no, I, I thought I
1: was I thought I was following it. The word club. I was like Fs yeah. club. I was like I found yeah. it.
0: Yeah. That's so funny. I would go there in a heartbeat too. Take the
1: take the heat off my okay. my idiocy. What did what's yours?
0: So my other one is it's an Instagram called Sunwoven and um she just has beautiful handwoven textiles and interior stuff, which I think that you would actually really like her. She is a local Charleston maker. And I just think her work is amazing. And she also, like, has all this really cool home content of of the home that she has with her husband. Her husband is really cool. Her husband is the drummer for um, Band of Horses, and he makes art, too. Oh, I actually cool. just bought a piece of his. Um, his name is, I think it's Crate and Barrett. But... They just seem like such a cool company. Cu- I'm sorry, couple. his name is
1: Creighton Barrett. That sounds like knockoff Creighton Barrel.
0: Oh my God, you're right. But it's Creighton, C
1: R E I G H T O
0: N, Barrett. But that still, is so That funny. sounds
1: like the TV mockumentary version of Creighton Barrel.
0: That is true and so funny. I did not think of it that way. But I think you would actually really like Sunwoven's aesthetic. And then also all of her home content, like in her own home, is really good.
1: Oh, I'll have to check her out. Yeah. What about obsessions?
0: My obsession is – I don't have it on right now. I'm, I'm very pale today. But I've been using the um, San tropez bronzing mousse. And there's an Ashley Graham kit. They have it on Sephora. It got sent to me in a mailing. And – um I used it, and it's just the perfect level of bronze. It's definitely messy, but it it makes you just like so glowy and tan, and I really like it.
1: Okay. I might be sold on this. I So today is the first really hot day in New York. It was 86 today, and I'm currently wearing jean shorts. I'm wearing the Madewell jean shorts, uh, which I really like. However... I caught a glimpse of my ghostly pale legs, and I haven't actually left the house today, so nobody's seen me but me. And, you know, on my Zoom calls, I'm not really standing so somebody can see my white legs. But um, I was like, I need to figure out a self-tanning situation ASAP for these guys, these guys being my legs.
0: Yeah, it's really good. It's um, you definitely it's it's messy and it, but it comes with a mitt, so that's really good. Is to, it
1: messy for application or is it messy that it gets on your sheets?
0: For application,
1: okay, I can handle that.
0: It's just like brown and it makes a mess. But once it's on your skin, it doesn't come off.
1: Okay, I don't want Until anything you, that's that's going to get on my sheets.
0: Yeah, I know it. It may it may get a little bit on your sheets, but like nothing too bad, and it washes out. What is yours?
1: Um, I don't have a new one, but I've doubled down on some old obsessions. Um, so first of all, I said a couple of weeks ago that I am like living for the negative underwear sieve bralettes, which Grace did not love, but I love enough her both. I didn't of us. hate it. i just I just thought it was like average. So I bought two more of those because I am deeply into them. It's the most supportive bralette that I've ever tried what colors did you get I got the I got a black one and then I got the nude one with like the black piping so yeah and then I also bought two more dresses from Mr. Zimmy which is an Australian brand that Grace introduced me to that I bought a dress from I don't know like a month ago or so and I liked it so much that I doubled down and I got the cutest gingham dress from them that I am like living in I wore it three times last week.
0: Oh, it's I can't wait to see it. Yellow
1: gingham. It's so cute.
0: Oh, you were wearing it, Um, I think, we when we recorded, maybe. Oh, yeah. I think I might have been. Yeah. It's very cute. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What about books? So I read this book in one sitting, as I told you. And then um, over the weekend, I finished The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley, um, which comes out, I believe it came out yesterday, meaning – the day before this episode dropped. So Tuesday. And this is the book about the um, gay Hollywood actor who's kind of a recluse and ends up taking in his niece and nephew who are um, young children, like six and nine. And they like show him the meaning of life. It was very cute and heartwarming. It was like very much up my alley. So if you like a cute family story, I like like a cute non-traditional family story too. I um, I love this one.
0: I think I need to read it. It sounds great. It
1: was so cute. It would be such a good movie too.
0: Um, what about you? So I finished reading Anna Kay Away and I absolutely loved it.
1: Where did you net um, out? Like did you like it the same more or less than the first one?
0: I liked it less, but that doesn't take away from it. I just loved the first one so much.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I'm asking because I liked it more than the first one. And so I wanted I to see you- if you felt the same.
0: Yeah, I know, I know you did. And I I um I don't know. I enjoyed it. And I felt like there were so many different angles. Like there was the the K-pop stuff and there was all the travels and the adventures. And there was – I don't want to give any spoilers away, but it was great. Um, But I liked the first one better. Okay. Then I am about 60% through The Most Beautiful Girl in Cuba by Chanel Clayton. And Chanel Clayton writes about Cuba a lot. I've read – I want to say the last book I read from her was Next Year in Havana and so this is set in Cuba at the very end of the 19th century. So it's like 1896 I want to say and this um and Spain has invaded Cuba and they are just terrorizing it. They're putting the Cubans in concentration camps. Um they are imprisoning people. This one woman was like basically one of the the generals the Spanish generals like tried to rape her and a bunch of people came to her rescue, but then she was a- accused of inciting an insur- insurrection, which like <laughs> insurrections that that feels familiar. And so she gets put in prison. Meanwhile in New York, there's this journalist, her name is Grace, and um she's working to like on her first story and um William Hurst decides that his mission is to free this woman and um to let her tell her story. So it's um it's really good so far. It's I will say that my favorite historical fiction books are usually what like a Fiona Davis book where it's it alternates between present day and past. So there's like a little contemporary um happening going on there. And this one was all set in the nineteenth century. But it's great. I think um it's really enjoyable so far. And I don't read a lot of historical fiction, but I, I really enjoy Chanel Clayton's books and I definitely would recommend it so far.
1: And if that didn't sound up your alley or if you need more book recs because too much is never enough. Uh, We also have our June book club pick to share with you that we'll discuss the last Wednesday in June. And we're going to be reading People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry, which I am so excited about because I was just saying to Grace before we started recording, I think this might take the title of being my favorite book that I've read of 2021 so far. Um, I mean, that's like
0: high praise. I haven't read it yet. But I've it's been it's actually was already next in my to read pile, so I was thrilled um, to have us choose it for our book club pick.
1: It looks so cute, and I didn't realize it's a modern interpretation of When Harry Met Sally. Yeah, so it's a friends to lovers romance about uh, two best friends, male and a female best friends, and they have a annual tradition where they go on vacation together every year, and. Um, When we meet them in the present, their friendship is kind of on the rocks and it's told between two timelines. So, the first is the present day timeline um, where they're kind of finding their way back to each other. And then the second timeline is kind of bouncing around through all their greatest hits of their past trips. Um, It's very fun. It's such a good beach read. And, you know, if you are missing travel, it like really scratched the travel bug itch for me.
0: So definitely pick that up and read it with us next month. Um, in the meantime, join us in the Facebook group. Um, We'll be talking about this book there. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood.
1: And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And Oh, and we wh- didn't even plug the podcast Instagram. It's Bad on Paper Podcast. Well, I'm also selfishly going to plug one more time that um, the trailer for the new rom-com pod's show is out. It's called Showmance. So if you uh, enjoyed the past two seasons or have been wanting to check it out, I would love for you to go and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Go do it. I'm going to go do it because I need to. See you next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.